This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. It's the Monday after the Super Bowl. Boy, have we got a lot to talk about. Gordon and I do it next on ESPN New York Tonight. 1-800-919-3776. That's the number to join our Monday conversation here on 98.7 ESPN. Brian Mungia, Jake the Snake along for the ride until midnight. Then it's Freddie and Fitzsimmons on 98.7 ESPN. Of course, you can tweet us at Hardest to ESPN, at Gordon Damer, at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Hello, Gordon. Larry, how we feeling, my man? Feels Better like a long time night. since we've talked here. I know. Now, in, in full comp, to be open and honest, Gordon and I had a brief chit-chat last night. Yeah, sure. Yeah, text. I mean, doing the show, it feels like it's been a long time since we've gotten together. Uh, probably about two weeks. <laughs> it feels that way. The last time we were talking, the Kansas City Chiefs were this juggernaut. So you know it's been a while. It's been a while. And, and listen, uh, we were trying to figure out what was going to happen with Dennis Smith Jr. last time we talked. We don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we got our answer. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, just to start, before we go to the Super Bowl, you know what? I kind of feel bad for the young Rangers tonight, Gordon. This was a tough one for them to lose. They, they were playing well. They're going toe-to-toe with the Islanders. No score into the third period. And then on, in the strength of two minutes, the game changed. It's over. It, it's a learning experience for the young players, but what a frustrating loss for the Rangers. Yeah, well, it just seemed like they were starting to get a little bit uh, over those uh, the bugaboo of the third period and the one-goal game. I mean, it wasn't a one-goal game, but it was third period again. So, uh, you know, look, it's uh, a work in progress, clearly. But uh, they, they've, uh, you know, kind of seemed like righted the ship a little bit up until tonight. But, you know, look, this game could have went either way. You heard it in mm-hmm. the post game there. Um, that, uh, you know, the, the Rangers had their opportunities. It just so happens, you know, the Islanders are a more – um, established team at this point with their talent, and uh, they were able to find you know find the net a couple of times. It's it's slim margin for error, and and that's what it is when you have young players. Gordon, I mean, Nick fans see it; they they watch it. It's a couple of 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 plays here and there, and you know when you have a young team and a veteran team like this Islanders team that's played together, been deep into the playoffs past couple of years, you know that experience shows. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm sure at some point. The the fact that you know the Rangers you know didn't have a, everybody didn't have a normal training camp I think it impacts teams like the Rangers more than it would a team like the Islanders that excuse I think is kind of out the window at this point because you've played enough games that you should be up to speed but yeah no I I think that I know it seems like the Ranger fans that we talk to are not patient really that much at all about this season so they want things happening right now and feel like this is a huge year for David Quinn and the program and all that kind of stuff but. I think that this is the kind of, you know, I think you see this in every sport, a young team get into a tight game and the breaks just, uh, you know, despite opportunities, did not go their way. Yeah, no question. And listen, uh, by the way, both teams have the same record. So, you know, Ranger fans, be a little patient. Be a little patient. It's a learning curve. I understand you have big plans. I understand. Just be a little patient. Things will change. Gordon, I got to tell you, uh, I don't know – a promo code Gordon. I don't know what you did from the piggy oh bank. Oh my God! You don't I don't know what you know. did. I don't know what you did from the piggy bank over the weekend. But well, but let me just say this. Let me just say this. If there was anybody who said Tampa big, <laughs> uh, you you won 
and you won huge. And I don't think anybody said that, but there's something that was very interesting, Gordon. And listen, what we broke it down all last week. We talked about the problems with the offensive line. I don't care what the, the new fad is in football. I don't care whether it's run and shoot. I don't care whether it's pistol. I don't care whether, you know, it's, it's four wide. I don't care what it is. This game will never change fundamentally, Gordon. It's about the trenches. It's about being strong in the trenches. Offensive line and defensive lines win. And that was not more evident than yesterday. Yeah, you know, when you talk about breaking down the Super Bowl, there's really not much to break down from a beatdown. And, uh, yeah, the promo code is going to be on the, the street corner holding out, uh, you know, the, the cup uh, looking for some donations because the promo code got beat down uh, yesterday as well. But uh, we'll get into that as we go along. I, I think that the Tampa Bay win is good news. If you can put up with more rounds of applause for Tom Brady, and I know that gets sickening after a while, but I think it's good news for fan bases that are not even, uh, you know, obviously the Chiefs, but any other fan base around the NFL because you, if Kansas City wins and, and plays even slightly like they did yesterday and they get Mahomes to make some crazy plays and they get back into it, and they make, it feels like there's this, this overcomable juggernaut in the NFL, right? Like Kansas City has been this offense that just rolls up points and, they might not do all the little things as well as some other teams, but they have this offense and they have this quarterback and they just can't be stopped. You look at the way Tampa Bay won, that gives every fan base kind of hope for your team, right? Like if you put together a defensive line that just absolutely ate the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line for lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you start with that. That's a big part. If you can protect your quarterback, so a guy who's basically in the, in the Super Bowl every single year, yesterday saw the, the lowest amount of pressure in a Super Bowl game in his career. Mm. That's another big start. You get your quarterback to make some plays. You get your defense on the back end to make some plays. That's the recipe to win games. And so uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I did not expect that kind of performance. I knew that the Chiefs offensive line was banged up, but it was banged up all year. And for it to perform like that yesterday, and you saw it pretty early on. I, I'll be honest with you. I was concerned very early on. But I figured, you know what? They've dealt with this before. Mm-hmm. They'll find a way. There was no adjustments. It was like, this is what we do. Let's, you know, let's just keep swinging for the fences and see if we hit a home run. And they yeah. never hit a home run. They never hit a home run. And look, we can obviously hindsight is perfection. Yes. But you keep wondering when you see that – Hilaire, especially in the second half, what do you at? Seven point one yards per carry. So you wonder, like, okay, could you could you have at least just to save Mahomes' life? Could you have run the ball more? So 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 at least you give you slow down the rush somewhat. I mean, because listen, if the offensive line couldn't block the pass, maybe they could do a better job with the run. So you you think about that, Gordon, and you just think about and look, obviously. As bad as this game was, the officials really didn't have a big handle on it. They really didn't. And I'm not no. going to sit here and tell you about the flags. But I will say this. Sal Palantonio told Greeny last week before the Super Bowl that this crew threw more flags for offensive holding and holding in the secondary than any crew in the National Football League 
in a year, Gordon, where holding calls were down. <laughs> well, that would have been a key inf- piece of information for me to have heard before. You know, it's like the line from uh, the Adam Sandler, all things you could have told me yesterday. Yeah, I could have I used that piece of information because, uh, yes, I would agree. The officiating did not help. Uh, the Chiefs did not help themselves. No. But I really do come back to the point of, you know what? There's really not much to break down because no. this was just a, such a dominating performance by Tampa Bay. They just beat them every single way. And we talk about the defensive line, right? Like eating alive the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh. The other side, the flip side of it, wasn't much better for Kansas City. You no. know, they, the Tampa punted a couple of times in their first two drives. They got a touchdown on their next drive. They got stopped at the one-yard line or the one-foot line or the one-inch line. They followed that up with a touchdown and another touchdown. It was 21-6. And it kind of felt like at that point the game was over, mainly because the Chiefs, I mean, it never seemed like they were keeping an extra guy in to block or or I don't know, you know, what else are you going to do? But it seemed like you had to do something, and it never seemed like they got off their game plan. Gordon, I haven't seen the quarterback treated that badly, and I'm going to tell you a story. I was doing sidelines for the Jets. And we were in uh, Baltimore. Was it Baltimore? I think it was Baltimore, Gordon. I'm not sure. It was, it was, we were on the road somewhere. I think it was Baltimore. And <laughs> no, I think it was Washington. I'm sorry. It was Washington. And we're on the road. And it's Kellen Clemens, at quarterback. And... Adrian, this is not going to be a good story for Patrick Mahomes. The fact he's getting compared to Kellen Clemens well, is not you'll good. You'll see why, you'll, you'll, and you'll understand why. <laughs> and and uh, I think the offensive lineman's name was Adrian Clark. And Gordon, <laughs> somebody got past him just the way my wife Jeanette said, "God, what did they? Can't they get seventy-seven out of the game?" <laughs> yeah. And somebody went past Adrian Clark like like Tampa constantly went past number seventy-seven yesterday. And Gordon, he hit the defender hit Clemens so hard when he got up, his helmet was tilted. Okay, tilted. And Clark just walked by and said, Sorry, man. That's how bad that I hadn't seen the quarterback beaten like that. And and get this, Gordon. He ran what what was the stat? Almost he 500 ran yards. Almost 500 yards. <laughs> 500 he ran 500 yards, yards and yeah. almost completed two touchdowns. Well, look, I mean, for, for as poorly as the Chiefs played and the fact that they did not get into the end zone, I'm not going to tell you that Mahomes played well, no. but he could have – I mean, he deserved a better fate. They had that big third down where Kelsey drops the ball. They yep. had another pass where, um, where, where Tyreek Hill had the ball bounce off his face, basically. Yes. So, I mean, he, could, he definitely did deserve a better fate and, and made some throws – Oh. That when he was making it, you're thinking to yourself, "Oh my God, what the hell is he doing?" But yes. you know what? He, with a little bit of a little bit of a better draw, he, he I, it would have been maybe a little bit of a closer game. Now, I still think the Bucks were clearly the better team. Oh yeah, they were, no question. But you know, between the officiating and you know the teammates and the penalties, you know, it all added up. But they got they got a, they got smacked around yesterday for sure. No, they got their butts kicked, and it it it's so interesting. Because, Gordon, it makes you wonder where do they go from here, right? Because, obviously, everybody, and you made a great point earlier, everybody doesn't have Tom Brady, okay? Everybody doesn't have the the Barretts and the Indama Kinsus and the JPPs. Everybody doesn't have 
the talent and depth of talent that Tampa has. But there's now a blueprint out there. And so now Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, who I, I assume they'll bring back, hope they don't blame him for what happened. No. Uh, you know, so uh, that they're now going to have to come up with a different way to continue to be successful because now the word is out. Force Patrick Mahomes to go left. Don't let him go right because that's what they did. And they kept him bottled up. He couldn't step up in the pocket. Obviously, the, the offensive line guys will be healthy. That's going to help them. But you know what it means, Gordon? Gordon, it means that they're going to have to start to lean more and get a running game, and they're going to have to start being more diversified when they play the elite teams because they're going to take – they showed you how to take Tyreek Hill away. They yeah, showed well, you yesterday. I, I just like it that, you know, anytime that there's a team – or even an athlete in an individual sport where it's like, oh, you know what? This guy has figured it out. This guy has broken the game. Like the Chiefs, it feels like if they win yesterday, you're spending your entire offseason saying, well, how does my team get to be close to the Chiefs? Now it, it's kind of it, it's a little bit more wide open, right? That There was this team that seemed like they had figured out the NFL. Or anytime there's a guy, like the guy Bryson DeChambeau, oh, you know what? Mm-hmm. He's figured out golf. He didn't figure out anything. He went on a hot streak for a little while. Now, look, the Chiefs are still great. Mahomes is still great. But it just shows you that football more so maybe than others because it's just the one game that if you're not, you know, you you have to have everything going in the right way to be able to play that Chiefs style because it was like, you know, they felt like a lot of times, ah, we're down by 10 points. It's fine. We'll just, you know, we'll get rolling here in a bit. We'll hit a couple of passes and away we go. And uh, we're still waiting for them to hit some passes, and away we go, because it, <laughs> it did not happen yesterday. Yeah, away they went. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. We never say this. Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy were completely outclassed. We never, I've never said those words. I've never even thought that phrase. But they were last night by Todd Bowles. And the greatest thing that Todd Bowles did was he didn't overthink, yet he didn't get lazy. You know, the overthinking thing was would have been, I got to bring all these crazy exotic pressures. He brought a couple, two or three. But at the end of the day, he, he realized, I got four, and my four are better than their five, by far. Danilovsky on with KJZ this morning talking about Super Bowl 55. It's hard to see Damer on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. And, Gordon, that's, that's what you have to tip your cap to, the, the game plan that – Todd Bowles had was listen he was he couldn't have called a more perfect game he couldn't have called a more perfect game he he did everything you need to do he just shut that potent offense down Gordon if I had said to you doing my best Dave Rothenberg if I had said to you going into the game that Kansas City was not going to score a touchdown you would have you would have probably come to my house and ask is something wrong? Yeah, with I would. Yeah, we would have to check out the uh, the drug testing policy at the station, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy. And I, I know Tyreek Hill finished with seven catches. Yeah. It felt like for a good portion of that game, you forgot that he was even on the team. I mean, after that one that bounced off his face early on, it felt like there was a huge stretch of that game where he was just a non-factor, at least with Kelsey. He had some big drops. He was not great either, but at least he was involved in the game plan. Mm -hmm. It felt like they were able to completely take Tyreek Hill. It was like he was not even on the field for large stretches of that game. It was scary. It it was, he wasn't, it's, it's like, and nobody else. And you knew, 
Gordon, you knew they were going to take him away. They weren't going to let him backflip into the end zone in the Super Bowl like he did in the loss during the season. So where was the other receivers? How come nobody else stepped up? There was no, and that's when the Chiefs are rolling. Yeah, it's Kelsey, it's Hill, but it's also Hardman. It's the kid Robinson. Sammy Watkins was back, right? How much time was spent talking about Sammy Watkins' return? Mm -hmm. Or the the guy, uh, what was his name, Pringle? He usually has, you know, a catch here or there or somebody from, you know, somebody else you've never heard of before comes up with some big play. Outside of Hill and Kelsey, no one on the team had more than two catches. And sometimes they were, Hartman had two catches for four yards, so it wasn't like it was anything great. It was all about that pressure. It was all about making Mahomes feel uncomfortable. And when he came into the league and, and was as great as he was, you're thinking to yourself, man, how could this guy have only been the 10th pick? How could yeah. this guy, why wasn't he the first overall pick? And a lot of people told you that when he was at Texas Tech and he was running for his life a lot of times, that's what it looked like. So, yeah, he's great. He can make some great plays, but he needs some people to help him out. Yep, there's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. And the other thing, going before we get to the phones, is, look, I, I'm not going – I never confuse the Kansas City defense with the 85 Bears, but they were useless yesterday. I mean, they were useless. The penalties, the holding, I mean, it wasn't even close. I mean, they, they, just, they just didn't show up. They just didn't show up. And, it, look, I never want to say that a team quit – but there definitely felt like a sense of the offense is not doing anything. In that second half, it did not feel like that team was uh, had, a, had a large degree of belief in themselves. Let's put it that way. No, they, they knew it was over mm-hmm. because, they knew, because they, knew they, couldn't, they knew they couldn't defend anybody. No. They, they I mean, couldn't they stay could, with anybody. Nope. Nope. They had guys open, or if they weren't open, they were being held, and then you know the running game got involved, so – yeah, it was, a, it was a tough day at the office for the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's, it's crazy that that's the time that it happens, right? We've never yeah. seen the Chiefs look like that, and it happens in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it, it couldn't have happened at a worse time for them. Could not have happened at a worse time. I just And, and what, what we're left to do, Gordon, is to try to figure out, you know, like, why? <laughs> and obviously it's right on the field. You saw it. It, it was just clear. But the – the lack of adjustments, which is something you've talked about, Don talked about it on the Michael K show earlier today, was because that's what I expected. Because when we text each other, you know, we, we both agreed that Tampa was just far superior. But you felt second half, right? okay, at halftime, they're going to do something. They're going to make an adjustment, and they're going to come out. And then when you see them run the ball a little bit and march down the – not march, but get some – move down the field somewhat – all right, and then they end up for three. That was it. That was it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. I mean, and, and think about it. The last two games for the Buccaneers, their opponents, the Packers in the in the NFC Championship game, they also won the toss, decided to defer, and, and it could. I mean, that one really could not have worked out worse because the Buccaneers got the ball first, scored a touchdown right away, and the Bucks scored right before the end of the half on that pass to Miller. So And then the Packers come out in the second half and turn the ball over on the second half kickoff. So that one was a complete disaster. But the whole idea of deferring is, hey, let's score at the end of the half, make sure we get the ball to start the second half, and then it's like we get two possessions for the price of one. 
Mm-hmm. Andy, I, look, at, at the end of the day, it was not the deciding factor in the game, but Andy Reid calling that timeout when he did right before halftime. I mean, like, what the hell are you thinking about yeah, there? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Why you talk about try- getting greedy. You have played terrible football. You have been completely outclassed. You're settling for field goals. And, and at that point, I'm guessing the reason why he's thinking, hey, let me get the timeout, I'll get the ball back, I'll get another score. Talk about just being completely greedy in that spot. And uh, it, look, it, bur- it burned him again. I don't think, even if he doesn't call that timeout, I don't think that the Chiefs are winning the game because there was just so many things going against them structurally and just in terms of the game flow, right, the calls, the, the way they're playing. But that was not that was not one of Andy, Andy Reid's not going to be put when they go to the Hall of Fame speech of Andy Reid, whatever that is. They will not be showing many highlights of this one. No, not at all. Not at all. And the last thing you want to do is give Tom Brady time. I mean, how oh, many times do you have to see this? And how it happened the times? last time they played. That same kind of thing happened the last time they played. Right. The Packers, they, they, they give the ball back to Tom Brady and he goes and he beats them right down the field. Why you would give him a shot to do that after the way you've played in the first half? I would think at that point you're thinking to yourself, you know what? We got a field goal at least. We made it at least somewhat interesting here. Let's just get into halftime, see what we can do. We get the ball in the second half, and let's just get, you know, let's just get out of here. And uh, they did not do that. Did not do that. 1-800-919-3776. We'll take your calls on the Super Bowl. Plus, Gordon and I will discuss, Gordon, people are calling the Jets, inquiring if they're going to trade Sam Darnold. I couldn't believe it when Shefty said that. And Shefty said something today, Gordon, that my mouth dropped open. 1-800-919-3776. Also on Twitter, at Hardesty ESPN, at ESPN NY, at Gordon Damer on 98.7. Gordon, let's go to the phones. You know what? Before we do that, yes. Larry, do you have mm-hmm. a problem with Brady as the MVP? I kind of would have preferred, Gordon, it would have been somebody on the defensive side. Yeah, I just, agree. Just me. Yep. Just me. But, you know, listen, I, I knew it was going to be him. Oh, no. Of course. It's the quarterback. It be him. Three touchdowns. I know. But, when, oh. you know, like the first thing that everybody who knows football or doesn't know football said about that game last night if they watched it was, man, they, keep, they just keep going right through the, the offensive line and exactly. attacking the quarterback. Like, when that's the main storyline from everybody from soup to nuts, I think – I don't know who it is because it wasn't, like, one singular guy. But if it had been Barrett, I would have been okay with it. Devin White had a bunch of tackles in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, David was fantastic. Even Sue. I think Sue had, like, two sacks. Yeah. I don't care who it was. I just felt like it's had to be somebody on that defense. Exactly. I mean, you know, uh, listen <laughs> – Gronkowski had two touchdowns. I mean, I, I could have, yep. I could have seen him. Yeah, <laughs> I just and felt like when the, the number one storyline from the game yes. was the defensive pressure that they got on the former MVP, this all this unstoppable force in Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just felt like that they, they somehow you have to come up with some sort of metric where you give it to the proper person, not just because we all love Tom Brady and he is a seven you know time Super Bowl champ. Exactly, which led to all the discussion I heard today. Is he the greatest winner of all time? Oh is goodness. he the GOAT? Is he, is, he, is he, you know, who's better than him? It's just like, oh. And I understand, listen, I understand this is, this is the business we have chosen, Gordon. Yes, <laughs> it is. This I is understand. the discussion. I get it. But I'm just like, why are we still having this discussion? Why are we still talking? About, okay, he's great. Can we wait till he's done? It's See, that's what I'm saying. Anytime soon. Apparently not. I have, I've never been one to compare people across sports. Yeah. Like, I understand the LeBron, 
Jordan conversation. Yes. I think yes. we've, we've kind of beaten it to death at this point, but I understand that conversation. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to have about Brady and the other great quarterbacks of all time, or I guess, you know, just, you know, I guess, you know, people in our, that we've seen in our lifetime as winners. Yes. Okay, fine. But how we have to do, how it always becomes about LeBron and this guy, LeBron and that guy. I don't know. Just just sit back and enjoy it because I'll tell you, at least in terms of Brady, we're never going to see somebody go to 10 Super Bowls ever again. No, no. not at all. No. And then you get into the argument, well, do you is it is it through eras? I mean, because how many Bill Russell's got rings on his toes? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, then it's like, well, but the yeah, I know it was different then, but why are we penalizing Bill Russell? He doesn't get to choose when he plays. <laughs> I can only judge on what I've seen. You know what yes. I mean? Like, I, you mm-hmm. know, I read about this guy or I see video or, or you know, we know the, the, the names, but, you know, I wasn't around for Bill Russell. I wasn't around mm-hmm. for Yogi Berra. I wasn't around for this one or that one. So mm-hmm. uh, when I talk about great winners, I don't really have a conversation where I sit around and talk about sports winners. I talk about football or I talk about right. basketball and I don't really, right. they don't ever cross streams. I don't ever to bring a baseball player into a football conversation. So mm-hmm. it's not really one that I've ever really gotten involved with all that greatly, but yeah. look in terms of resumes, 10 super, you know, it's the fact good. that there's stats out there that he, Tom Brady's more likely the percentage of him going to a super bowl is higher than Steph Curry hitting a three. Oh, that's incredible. That, that's incredible. I mean, it's an incredible, it's an incredible achievement in terms of Super Bowl resumes or NFL resumes. It's going to be a very long time until anybody can ever come close to what Brady has done. Yeah, if ever, if ever, like you said, if ever. Yeah. Because Gordon, look, look, look at the look at the amount of quarterbacks who are transferring this year alone. Yeah. Look. look so I mean. He was fortunate, yes, to have the, the, the career he did with, with uh, Belichick, Belichick up in New England. But, Gordon, how many, how many quarterbacks stay around that long to do that with one team? It's crazy. It's cr- I mean, he's 43. That's right. The he's longevity 40, alone. Most of the great quarterbacks were already in the Hall of Fame yeah. by the age of 43. Listen, the, uh, one of them got in, in, uh, nominated this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. You know, it's crazy. 1-800-919-3776. Robbie's in Massachusetts. Hey, Robbie, you're next on 98.7. Well, Larry and Gordon, it's a pleasure to speak with both of you tonight, man. So you're both dressed in impeccable taste. What a true debacle in Tampa Bay yesterday. How are you guys? Good, Robbie. <laughs> anyway, I wanted, to talk about, I wanted to talk about the game and also about the Rangers. Uh, first, let me say about the game yesterday. I've never seen such lousy adjustments and such undisciplined defense by Kansas City. And I want to ask you guys, how in the world does a 43-year-old guy get six and five seconds to, to just stand there and throw the ball? I mean, I couldn't believe Spagnuolo's defensive plan yesterday. Go after the guy. I mean, at least the Giants. Thank God I'm a Giant fan. I can say I beat him twice. But, I mean, I just can't believe Kansas City's lack of defensive adjustment, the fact that they didn't run the football in the red zone. Their red zone offense was atrocious yesterday. Where is Kelsey? For four plays, Kelsey's not even involved in their offensive scheme. And I give great hats off. To, uh, to Byron Leftwich yesterday because he did a tremendous job. I, I picked the Bucks yesterday. I said there would be the under, and Byron Leftwich deserves an amazing amount of credit, and so does obviously Todd Bowles. But what I love about Leftwich is the methodical style. It was great. Keep, keep uh, Mahomes off the field and wear them down. They did a great job. I think yesterday the most valuable play in that game to me was Leonard Fournette or Gronkowski because Leonard Fournette, given the opportunity to throw play-action passes, and Tom Brady's great in, in play action. The other thing, too, about just want to touch on the Rangers for a second. Mm-hmm. I know Larry talked about being patient, okay? 
but the Rangers severely lack center. Now, Philip Heedle's hurt, and Ryan Strom is certainly not the answer at center, and Mika right now is not himself. So that's the problem. you got to wait for Heedle to come back. But the Rangers, they're just too east and west for me, and I'm going to figure out what the guys are going to do, like Gordon, obviously, and, uh, and John Davidson, figure out, because they need guys that play low. They just have nobody to play below the goal line, and the Islanders do what they do best. They, they grind it out, and they play hard in front, and they got two garbage goals tonight. And that's why... That's why the Islanders do what they do. They have to stay within their structure. They put you to sleep, the Islanders, but they're effective. So, anyway, I get your comments on the Ranger Center situation, and I, I appreciate the time, guys, as always. Hi, right, Robbie. Thanks for checking in. Gordon, I'll say this. I think um, when you look back, the worst thing for Kelsey in the red zone was the fact that now I could, because of the constriction of the field, Gordon, I can, I can double-team him. Well, I will say I kind of blame myself because what have I been saying for the last month? He's always open. Travis Kelsey, he's always open. He's always open. And he was open a lot yesterday. He had 10 catches. Uh, Now, most of it was in garbage time, and he had that one big one where if he catches that, who knows? Maybe they get a little hot. I I don't think so, but it it certainly uh, it could have helped. But, yeah, I mean, he was not himself. Hill was not himself. Mahomes was not himself. The offensive line, which, again, has been banged up all year. They lost the left tackle in the AFC title game. That's fair. But you would have thought that they would have done something where, you know, keep a couple of tight ends in, do something to uh, get Mahomes out of the pocket immediately, run the ball more something. It just seemed like they're like, no, that's not what we do. We do what we do, and we'll just keep – well, it's not working. No, it's not. And it just goes to show you in a salary cap sport, Gordon, we talk and we, we minimize it. We talk about it. But when we talk about injuries in the National Football League, we're like, oh, you got to stay healthy. You got to stay healthy. It's not only staying healthy. It is also trying, which is the toughest thing. It's for your reserves in a salary cap sport that the the level of talent between your reserves and your starters has to be as close to the starter as possible. And clearly that was not it yesterday. It was a huge gap between the starters and the reserves on that offensive line. Well, you know me. I'm looking already at mock drafts, this thing and that thing, and I like to find, you know, the team that is, oh, all right, what's the need there? What's the match there? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would not be surprised if with the uh, 31st pick, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs are going to look at offensive linemen when they uh, get their chance on the clock. There's no doubt about that. And plus, in Steve Spagnuolo's defense, there was no NASCAR package that rolled on the field yesterday for Kansas City. The NASCAR package was on Tampa's side. It wasn't on Kansas City's side. That yeah, was well, a I huge mean, wave. Sa- outside of that one sack, it didn't even feel like they were getting close to Brady. Nope, it didn't because they didn't. <laughs> That's why I felt that way. <laughs> Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on 98.7. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, What's up, the NASCAR package. They had the Hot Wheels package. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I did not see that coming yesterday. But, Gord, you touched on something. And um, before I get to the other point I want, that, that, you said something that was very powerful. Um, you, you see that it does give you hope when you yes. have, a, you know, a defense. A defense can keep you in a game. And it's good to see that defense still matters. And it's good to see that, you know, the run, whatever, the fun and gun, whatever they want to call it, that that doesn't work because that's a once-in-a-lifetime player you got there with Mahomes. So as, as, a, as a, um, a fan of a team, you're not going to get that kind of guy. You, you know, you'd be lucky if you get that kind of guy. So it's good to see that, you know, that that didn't work out. 
the the most exciting thing for the weekend, you know, especially with that game being what it was, was that um that ninety seven foot chip in by Kepka. That was a great that was a great golf shot. I, I really enjoyed watching that. Um it's just you know, it's very sad, man, in in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I feel bad for the enemy, to be honest with you. You know, he's a running back. And um, you know, and they asked Andy Reid something. Um, they said, look, you know, and that stuff with his son, you know, that, that, that that's horrible. You know, yeah. you don't want anybody going through anything like that. And it clearly had some effect on him. But when they asked him, they said, you know, did that affect you in the game? He said, no, the game plan was put in two weeks ago. Bro, listen, game plans have to change sometimes within the game. You know, mm-hmm. you can't get stuck on something. And, you know, that was a bad look for him in terms of, you know, like he's a great coach, a Hall of Fame coach and all that, but it shows the difference between the guys who have the multiple chips and the guys who have the one. You know, he was rolling Mahomes out there like as a savior. Like, what's your backup plan, bro? You know, Edwards Hilaire, like you said, he was running for like seven or something yards per carry. You know, the first eight plays they ran were all pass plays. And then it wasn't working. The underneath stuff was there. You know, the, the routes were too deep. I mean, listen, those tackles, you know, they were having a hard time. You got to shorten, tighten up those routes. If you look at what Tampa Bay did in the middle of the season when they were having problems, they started to tighten up some of those routes. You can't have everything going down the field when your pass protection is not where it needs to be. You know, it kind of shows you, you know, and, and I'm not saying McNabb was on the same level as Mahomes or Vic was on the same level as Mahomes, but – this is a repeat of, of, of um, certain behaviors. You know, in big spots, like, you have to have some form of balance. You can't just have your quarterback just running around, listen, bro, just make a play. They shut that down, and they had no adjustments. And like the caller that you had just a minute ago, he said about how um, Leftwich, you know, did a great job. You know, when you heard Arians talk, and they asked him, he said, look, I didn't do anything. These guys did it. Leftwich, Bowles, I mean – he put those dudes on a pedestal. He put he made them shine. And in a certain regard, Andy Reid took some of the shine off of the enemy because there was there was no adjustments. And now you're starting to wonder, you know, do I would I rather have Leftwich as the top candidate mm-hmm. as opposed to the enemy? You have to think like that. Yes, yeah, interesting point, Buddha. Thanks for the phone call uh, and the fact that he was able to finally get on the same page with Tom Brady. And, Gordon, all it takes, obviously, for the Super Bowl is part of it, but just for Brady to, you know, co-sign that what a great job that Leftwoods did, you know, that also doesn't hurt him. Yeah, well, look, I I was completely wrong on the game. I I analyzed it completely wrong. But I'll just say this, in terms of the Chiefs and their game plan going in, it's never a problem until it's a problem. And when you recognize it's a problem, largely it's too late. Like when we were talking about the Rams, when they made the trade for Stafford, everybody's like, oh, they could trade away all these number one picks. It, does, it doesn't seem to impact them at all. At some point, it will, it, it will impact them. Now, they might have a Super Bowl title by then, but it will eventually impact them. The Chiefs' offensive line, which was clearly a problem all season long and was you know, just exacerbated by the loss of Fisher, that was a problem all season long. But, you know, the magic of Mahomes being able to, you know, make some plays here, make plays with his legs, make plays with his arms. It's never a problem until it's a problem. And then all of a sudden they realize, you know what, we can't block anybody up front. Nobody's getting open. They're, they're covering us in the secondary. And all of a sudden it's too late to fix the problem. So they had no adjustments. They didn't make any adjustments. They just kept hoping that Mahomes was going to save them. And as much of as a magician as he is, he was not the magician yesterday. You're right. And even – uh, Brady made the adjustment when 
the folks weren't available, he threw it down to Leonard Fournette. He threw it to his backs. And so that was the other just, I mean, you know, listen. Hey, Gordon, uh, there's this guy over there that didn't play. Like, he's pretty good at catching the football. Like, Le'Veon Bell? <laughs> I remember yeah, him. Yeah, Le'Veon was nowhere to be found as well. Was Le'Veon there yesterday? Yeah. Uh, he he was active. <laughs> that was cause some good news for Jet fans because I just assume when he signed there, oh, when they're in the Super Bowl, yeah, he'll exactly. score a touchdown and that'll just rub it in the Jet fan face. He he, I mean, I didn't see him at all yesterday. No, it it, it turned maybe out he was one of the guys the on the field fans. with the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> under underneath those uh, the masks. Could have been. It could have been. Talking to you at one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Talking Super Bowl. You know, Gordon, uh, piggybacking on the conversation and the comments that Buddha just made to us, Jay Blaze NYC tweets, Uncle L, if next season goes well too, is Leftwoods going to get a head coaching job before Biennemi because it's known he's the outright play caller and was a longtime NFL QB versus Biennemi being a running back? I think it, it might give him a head, it might give him a leg up, Gordon, because he's going to be the guy that is going to be the fresh new face. You know what I'm saying? He, he's going to be the hot new coordinator. Also, by the way, uh, don't look now. Todd Bowles may be, if he does this again, Todd Bowles could be in line for a head coaching spot too. And it goes back to the conversation, Gordon, about when you can and cannot speak with coordinators, like having to wait for these guys until – you know, the end of the, the when their last game is. And if they're in the Super Bowl, that means you don't get a chance to talk to them till now. Yeah. Well, look, it's not a great system, but unfortunately, if you force teams to wait this long, that you know behind this, right? Even before free agency, they put in this, this like legal tampering period and people were even violating that. Yeah. So it would be, there's just so much to riding on it. I think teams would find out their way around it through agents, through intermediaries. Uh, I would like to see that Byron Leftwich, even when he was a quarterback uh, in college, he always seemed like he was kind of like a coach on the field. So for him mm-hmm. to have the success that he's had uh, at the NFL level, I guess is not really that much of a surprise. I do think the fact that he is the outright play caller would help. Now, yeah. does that mean that I think he's going to get a job next year? I'm not, I'm not putting money. Uh, the the FanDuel <laughs> account is already hurting for cash, so I'm not putting any money on that because – it seems like every single year we go through this, you know, oh, well, this guy seems like a perfectly uh, good candidate. And for whatever reason, you know, Eric Bieniemy seemed like a fine candidate. But for and this was the season we thought for sure he would get the job uh, and he and he didn't get the job. No, he did not. He did not. And uh, listen, now he's got to negotiate to try to come back with Kansas City. Which I'm sure he will. I'm sure they'll bring it back. Yes, absolutely. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. I mean, that was not on him. I mean, you know, look, you can't say, well, the reason he's not getting a head coaching job is because he's not the primary play caller. And then when things go wrong, put the blame on him because he's not the primary play caller. (laughs) Yeah. And he's not the head coach either. That's right. That's right. Richard's in Manhattan. Hey, Richard, you're next on 98.7. Larry Gordon, I don't think uh, uh, Reed should have coached yesterday. That was his son that caused the accident with the two little kids and put him in, put him in the hospital. Not only was it his son, his son he picked as a coach. So his son was his responsibility. Not only that, that wasn't an accident. This guy willfully, he was on medication for attention deficit disorder, and then he's drinking. This kid was doing this all the time. 
and it was going to lead to something until something like this happened. Unfortunately, a tragedy. Reed should have stepped away, given the job to the enemy to coach that game. The team probably would have rallied around by enemy uh, uh, because Reed wasn't there, and we would have seen something different. But that's my opinion. I, I, and my protest to the game, I didn't watch the game. I just listened because I thought it was terrible how they covered the tragedy. Uh, I don't want to mention the guy's name on radio, but the guy doing the game at the end of the game says, well, maybe it could have been the incident that happened with uh, Andy Reid's son. And I'm saying to myself, boy, if that was that kid's son that was in the hospital because of what Andy Reid's son did, uh, did to the kid, would you call it an incident? I mean, it was heartless to me. Uh, and I read in the paper where uh, Nance and Romo didn't bring it up until three minutes left in the game. I mean, uh, to me, it's amazing. But that's that. One last uh, other thing on a little lighter note. I'm sorry, getting a little heavy there, Larry Gordon. Mm -hmm. uh, who do you think is the greatest all-time living athlete, oldest greatest living athlete? Larry, would you go Bill Russell or would you go Willie Mays? Always Ooh. a pleasure, fellas. Thanks, guys. All that, right, all Richard. Right. Thank, thanks for the phone call. Ooh. Well, listen, Willie Mays was a tremendous athlete. Uh, five-tour player baseball-wise, Gordon. I unfortunately I only got to see highlights of him in his in his mm -hmm. big in his prime. Uh, the last year with the Mets is not indicative of the great no, player I would he not was. Think so. You know, but I would say uh, based on wins and championships, got to say Bill Russell for what he was able to do. Uh, not a great offensive player, but fabulous defensively, and came along at a time when you know Wilt Chamberlain was when you. Here's how good Will Chamberlain is, was, Gordon. When you look in the record books and you see all people like Harden passing scoring records and, you know, LeBron James and, you know, some of the greats, they're all his records. <laughs> scoring wise, they're the all rules his records. based on him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I would say Russell, uh, but Willie Mays was a tremendous athlete. Tremendous uh, athlete. I haven't given it that much thought, but when, it, when all else fails, I go Jordan. Uh, I think mm -hmm. I, I don't think that I would do too poor, too poorly with Michael Jordan in that conversation. No, you wouldn't. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But you know, with the two he gave me, yeah, I, 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 you know, I'll well, take look, those. I take know, those two. But but Jordan, listen, you can't say Jordan. Also, listen for his ability, what he was able to do. And for me, Gordon, the flu game tells you all you need to know about Michael Jordan. Well, we talk about resumes, right? Like yep. if you're presenting it almost in sports court. Jordan wins three title, leaves, comes back for the short thing, and then wins three again the following, you know, the next season. So I, I think you do all right with Michael Jordan. No question about it. Gordon and I were rehashing, and it's hard to do, as bad as that game was yesterday, to take an hour <laughs> to rehash the game Super Bowl was 55. For an hour yesterday. <laughs> to rehash Super Bowl 55, but we did it, and now we're going to turn our attention to an interesting story. Gordon, this is, and I, and I say this interestingly enough because of the calls that you and I have taken on these airwaves about the Knicks and their front office forever, ever, and a day, and especially lately. We'll hear from Adam Schefter in a minute. We'll hear from Mike Tannenbaum also. Both of them were on uh, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. But Adam Schefter said, he told Bart and Han today, Gordon, that the Jets made a call to inquire about Matt Stafford. I was shocked. My mouth hit the floor. So that tells me, A, that 
for those who think that they may not be interested in Deshaun Watson, if they made a call about Matthew Stafford, oh they're God. going to be in on Deshaun Watson. That's number one. Number two, uh, oh, we want Sam Darnold. We think we, we'd be having uh, – obviously, they're not married to Sam Darnold, Gordon. And I think if you're a Jet fan – that's what you want to hear. You don't want to hear that they've already made up their mind. You want to, You don't want them to be locked in. You want this to be a fluid situation of, okay, If it's, it's like this. If we have to keep him, we'll keep him. But if we can upgrade, we're going to upgrade. We're going to upgrade. Well, look, this is about looking under every stone and taking all the different uh, options out there and, and weighing each of them on their own merits. So I don't know how serious, right, like the fact that they placed a call about Matt Stafford – means that they had some interest in Matt Stafford, but was it the type of thing where they heard what the price tag might be and said, okay, you know, we've done our due diligence and, and that's as far as it's going to go. I'd like, you know, anytime I hear these stories about, well, you know, this team made a call about this. Well, I'd like to think that the team is making calls on every guy, right? Like I would like to think that they're, they're going to uh, weigh every single option. So yeah, I mean, I've always felt since the season ended that with the second pick in the draft, and what seemed like some quarterbacks available, now that Joe Douglas is running the show, it's very hard for me to believe that he is going to stick it up with another year of Sam Darnold. Maybe he will end up doing that, but the fact that they, it looks like more likely than not that he will be moved is not that surprising to me. It's not surprising to me either, and I just think that he, here is the trouble, though, Gordon, and this is going to be the issue. If you are trying to figure out what Houston's going to do with Deshaun Watson before you figure out what you're doing with your quarterback. I don't think you can do that. I think you're because this is not going to be settled right away. We we've continued to say that. And I think we agree. So you're going to have to either look and see, cause there's a bunch of, I mean, Gordon what was that 11, 12 quarterbacks. I keep hearing about Derek Carr is now available. The, it's possible to be traded for I me, mean, all these different quarterbacks. So, Either you're going to say, all right, look, we're, we're, we're waiting for Watson. If we don't get Watson by the draft, then we're going to either draft our draft our quarterback with, with the second-round pick or, like we said, Gordon, we're going to trade down, get, get as many draft uh, capital as we can because if we need to finally, if Watson becomes available – now we've got, aside from helping ourselves, we've got even some more extra draft picks that we can throw into the deal because obviously, based on what Matthew Stafford went for, when if Houston does decide to trade for Watson, uh, they're going to want a lot of picks. Yeah, I, and I agree with you. I think that you have to approach this. If you're, going, if you're moving off Sam, there has to be a guy that you think is going to be available at two that you are in love with. I mean, there's no other, right? I mean, like, yep. you're not gonna, you're not gonna hold out hope that Deshaun Watson is going to be available, and then if he doesn't, oh, geez, now, now what, right? Like, you're not just gonna sign a stop stopgap in the meantime. So I'd have to think that if you're moving off Sam, which according to Schefter looks like they are, they will be, uh, that will be coming down the pike here before too long. I'd have to think that you have a guy at two, either Fields or Wilson, that you absolutely love. Schefter was asked this morning, Gordon, what can the Jets get for Darnold? When the Carson Wentz trade comes in, I believe it's going to be at least a first-round pick, at least. And so when all that starts to happen and Sam Darnold is next in line and there's another team that didn't get a quarterback 
name Matthew Stafford or Jared Goff or Carson Wentz. My guess is it gets pushed up to a late type of one. Now, it depends on the package, right? Maybe a team is trading a one and the Jets trade back Darnold and a five to get the one. I don't, we'll see how it shakes out, right? But I think Mike is right that ordinarily Sam Darnold's value would probably be a second round pick. But I think in the current market, it gets boosted up some. And mm-hmm. I think when all is said and done, if and when Sam Darnold is traded, that there will be a first-round draft pick involved in that trade. All right. So since Adam Schefter alluded to Mike Tannenbaum, Mike, what do you think the Jets can get for Darnold? It's a second-round pick because he's a player that's started the league key. He has not shown greatness, and it's very similar to what we saw with Josh Rosen leaving Arizona and being traded to the Dolphins. Top 10 pick, new coach comes in. In that case, it was Cliff Kingsbury. This play case, it's Robert Sala. A second-round pick, I think, would uh, be a fair price. So, once again, it, it's interesting to me. I'm just going to be honest with you, Gordon. As Because of his inconsistencies, I'm really surprised that folks are calling about him. You know what I'm saying? Because I would think that with, with other quarterbacks available, that he would be further down on the list, but Schefter's talking like he could be behind Wentz. That's that that's surprising to me. Well, I mean, I don't know all the ones that are, are going to be available or are available, but I think he probably teams are looking at the situation that he was thrown into, the coach that he's had here the last couple of years, the situation surrounding him with the offensive line and the and the weapons and everything else, and they're probably th- you know, think about all the times that teams take chances on guys and you think to yourself, there's no why why are they taking a chance on that guy? But they see something that others don't. So it was not that long ago Sam Darnold was the the third pick in the draft and if it if it's a team like San Francisco or if it's a team that has a good quarterback system that thinks to themselves, you know what, we can get more out of that guy than they're getting out of them in his other spot. Uh, I can understand it. You know, it's all about who has the fewest warts in in your mind. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, listen, let's take San Francisco, Gordon, as you mentioned. Uh, Jimmy G, Sam Darnold, uh, I don't know. It feels <laughs> kind of like a lateral move, right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel it does. uh, like Jimmy G at least had the one season where he was really good and they went to the Super Bowl. But uh, maybe, they, you know, you have to kind of, if you're Kyle Shanahan or you're the team that employs Kyle Shanahan, you are relying on his judgment. And if he's the guy that says, you know what, the guy I want to run my system is Sam, Sam Darnold's available, go give him a two and a five and away we go. You got to trust in that, I think. Yeah, uh, I hear what you're saying. I'm just. I'll, I'll say, I'll be this. Yeah. I would feel much better if I'm just a random team. I yes. would feel better about getting Sam Darnold for, for what I would have to give up than I probably would for, for Derek Carr. Hmm. I mean, is okay. Derek Carr any great shakes? No, no. And, and what hurts him is that a guy who, and listen, a legitimate quarterback guy <laughs> in John Gruden, a legitimate quarterback guy is ready to get rid of him and ready to move on. So, I mean, that, that hurts him more than, you know, Gase with Darnold. So I hear what you're saying. I, I, I agree with that. I would be, uh, that would be more curious for me. I'm just curious as to what, you know, the Jets are thinking. And, and, and obviously, Gordon, here's the thing. And you're right when you say, well, you're supposed to listen to offers. You're supposed to listen to phone. You're supposed to make calls. That's your job. You're supposed to figure out what's happening. I just think it, it just seems it says that, while they're not saying they're going to move on from him, at least they're not 
locked into him. I think they're open. I think it's a fluid situation. And so I don't know that Jet fans have always thought that to be the case. You know what I'm saying? I just think that a lot of them have felt that, you know, Douglas said last year, well, you know, Donald's our guy. We, 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 he's going to finish his career as a Jet, paraphrasing it. And then Salah comes in, and he's not, you know, he's smart. He's not saying we don't want him because that's going <laughs> to make his draft capital drop or his trade value drop. But you just seem like, you know, I, I've got a guy that can fix. I, I've got a guy who I have confidence that can fix him. And so the, the question always becomes, Gordon, what if he can't? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm not telling you. I think we're kind of in the same boat with with Sam, where he he's had some some moments, but it's not had any level of consistency at all. But maybe there is a feeling around the league that he was in a, a situation that is, you know, they can take the risk where the Jets can't, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're Joe Douglas and you go into this offseason, you say, you know what, we think Sam is going to eventually turn out to be a franchise quarterback, and they go into next year and Sam is the same Sam as he's been. Well, then who's going to be on the hot seat? It's going to be Joe Douglas. Whereas if he goes to San Francisco or he goes to one of these teams that needs a quarterback, I'm just trying to think off the top of Indianapolis or wherever Mm -hmm. needs a quarterback. Chicago needs a quarterback. And and they bring him in for the first year. It's almost like he gets a fresh start, which he clearly needs. Mm -hmm. And they can kind of, you know, bring him along at their own pace. And I don't think that, especially for Kyle Shanahan, or uh, or Indianapolis especially, where I don't think that they have as much riding on it as Joe Douglas would, right? Because Joe Douglas has the second pick in the draft. He's got all this, all this draft capital. You would think that he has the ability to go outside of Trevor Lawrence and, and find a quarterback in the draft where these other teams, they don't have that as an you know, That's not available to them. Yeah. And listen, maybe, maybe the role that the Jets should go is to see which one of these free agent quarterbacks are available. If there's a free agent quarterback that's available, Gordon, that is, you know, better or at the same level or slightly better than Sam Darnold, then maybe they should go the free agent route and, and save their draft capital. Maybe they bring back Ryan Fitzpatrick. No, you guys aren't letting him go, are you? you I think he's – I'm pretty sure he's a free agent. All right, two words for you. Mitch okay. Trubisky. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that Salah bandwagon would be emptying out very quickly, wouldn't it? <laughs> Led by him. Jets have finalized a deal to bring in Mitch Trubisky. And, and Salah would be the one jumping off. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not what I had in it mind. It wasn't all Gase's fault after all. Exactly. You know what he'd say? I'd rather have Jimmy G. <laughs> <laughs> At least I know what I got with him. I've seen him. He can, I can do some things with him. <laughs> You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. 